0: Good morning, everyone. This is Texas Storytellers.
1: Hello, Terry, uh, and I'm Mark Hater, and that's Terry Woods. Terry, what are you reading there?
0: Well, The Murder of a Newspaper Man. Think we could read this later?
1: You know, I think that would work right in. I mean, it is a story, and uh, oddly enough, it involves Texas, and we'll talk about it uh, later, but uh, Terry, since the last time we met, there's bound to be stuff that's happened uh, somewhere around the globe around your globe oh my
0: goodness a whole hot lots of stuff has happened but one really cool thing you know i live in uh, panorama
1: Mm, which is
0: its own little city nestled near uh the grand theater which is not open Mm. at the moment uh and um a couple of little restaurants the outlet mall um is cracker barrel open now Cracker Barrel is open. Sort of good yeah, I forgot you about that. You can walk in. You can walk in. I prefer to take out. Mm-hmm. But the pancakes are usually nice and warm when you that's, take them out.
1: That's good to know.
0: Isn't that good yeah, to know? That is. I, I thought that was good. And since it's, it's, anyway, since Panorama is its own little city on the 4th of July, I always like to be there. They usually have uh, barbecue and, um, Uh, uh, things for the kids and so forth and so forth. This was trimmed down this year. They still had the barbecue.
1: That's important.
0: And they still had the fireworks. Oh, neat-o. I walk right from my house, uh, pull up my chair, sit down. Uh, You're way far away from everybody. You don't have to worry about uh, crowding or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Many people are in their cars, and the fireworks are spectacular. Oh, neat yeah,
1: Kay hey and I looked in that area, when we were looking for a house many years ago. And, uh, oh, it was so nice. Uh, uh, the streets weren't very wide and all. And if I had neighbors, I didn't know where to, I mean, family. I didn't know where to park them. But we saw a house that was so good. And if somebody else hadn't taken it, I think we might have. We might have been neighbors, Terry. I haven't. Oh, well, yeah. You
0: know,
1: it's hard to believe.
0: I live um, in a, a section that's right on the golf course. It's oh, kind good. of a townhouse plan, so my backyard doesn't need tending because it's the garden. Oh, North.
1: good. How do your uh, windows? Are they okay?
0: Yeah, they're good.
1: They haven't been cracked or anything.
0: No, no, they're they're real good. But it was it's enjoyable to be there on the Fourth of July, you know that's just such an important day in our country's history and Texas history, and I I, I just love that. Uh, What'd you
1: do? I uh, on the Fourth of July. We didn't go anywhere, and our neighborhood mm-hmm. did not have its fireworks display. Oh, but, there. Terry, what you could see are, in the distance and behind the houses and all, j- just little separate uh, fireworks going off. So we just sat in the driveway and started looking at uh, what was going on around us. It wasn't that big, but it was uh, neat. That's we cool. And I That's don't know if cool. you noticed, it was uh, hot. Yes,
0: yeah. it, w- it was that. Yeah. It's still hot.
1: Anyway.
0: Only to get hotter.
1: Yes, bound to do that. I don't have much to look forward through the, this summer. And you know what's so, well, it's not as confusing for me. I mean, you're still uh, teaching. I used to be, and it doesn't sound like anybody knows exactly what they're going to do uh, when school starts. I know the governor has said one thing, and uh, but as time goes on, uh, a bunch of stuff may be changed, so it's uh, it's hard to call
0: You're going to see a combination, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. You're going to see um, many, many parents want their children in school. So you're going to see face-to-face classrooms, what they're going to look like. I don't know, I'll take you a picture when I find out. Um, But you're going to have face-to-face classrooms, of course. But you're also going to have remote learning. And there's an exciting concept that's probably long in coming.
1: Yes, I think so. And it's probably the direction everything is headed. and I um, I don't know, I was thinking if I was teaching now, when I saw one of the classrooms, how much they're going to have to spread out. I bet there were nine chairs in this classroom, and I thought, I might be able to handle that. And uh-huh. you know, they are so far away that if you're going to clown around or something, if you're a kid, it's tough to do. And, there you, you go. Know, as it was, they were just all together. Uh, Students, please. Please don't. Oh, you can't do that. Uh, Anyway,
0: I teach uh, theater also at a small school in the Woodlands called mm-hmm. Rubicon Academy.
1: Now, what's the real name of it? it
0: I think it's Rubicon.
1: Rubicon, okay. Yes. Academy.
0: Yes, Rubicon Academy. It's a, it's a small school for gifted kids. Oh, good. And it's actually in a Victorian house. So because of where it is and so forth, they're going to be teaching the first half uh, up until 2021 um, remotely. Using Zoom or whatever platform. And um, I'm kind of excited for it. Oh, I cool. really am. I think it, it'll it'll be quite interesting to uh, do that for a whole semester and have it planned out. too.
1: You know, uh, Terry, you can slap me any minute, but where is Rubicon?
0: It is off of 1488. Got it. Oh. Um, near, oh... Near, near the new H-E-B, but on the other side. It's on Horseshoe Bend, which is a horseshoe-shaped road, and it's a Victorian ha- a house about halfway in. Cool. It is very cool. You know, and something if you, else... if you need something for your kids or your grandkids that, that will support geniuses and uh, gifted kids, that's where you go.
1: You know, I think there are probably uh, all parents out there saying, yeah, I've got that kid, and there's a good chance... Mm-hmm. a couple of them may mm-hmm. uh, but yeah there's uh, people are geniuses in so many different areas Terry uh, one thing though that uh, I gathered for this particular uh, edition ladies and gentlemen session if you will is uh, a book I ran on into would you show them that book just real quick uh, this uh, it happened in Texas written by a guy by the name of uh, James uh, Crutchfield, I don't have my glasses, but this guy, I researched him, are y'all still there? I researched him, and this guy has written over 40 books, not all about Texas. He's a historian, and uh, he's written a book on uh, uh, things that have happened in Montana. What he does in Colorado, in Arizona, New Mexico, California, all over, he's got a bunch of books. It happened in Texas. He's got It Happened in Montana, things like that. And uh, what he is so good at, this writer, with respect to particularly Texas, uh, he's got about 30, 35 stories in here. And it's stories, for the most part, I, I taught Texas history one year to seventh <laughs> graders, and it was just not good. Uh, I'm... Not the history, Terry. The history is really cool. It's awesome. But you know, I knew about the Alamo, uh, you know, what I'd seen in movies and things like that. I hadn't taken many courses in Texas history, so it was a, a stretch for me. But this guy goes back into stories that I had never heard of but are, I thought, pivotal. And uh, one of these, by the way, uh, came about. It was <laughs> very interesting. It's about this newspaper man who wrote something about Baylor University, uh, the president, and it got him in a world of trouble. This was in 18, and what's a... it that it? I don't... 1898. Yeah, that's the it. The murder of a newspaperman. and uh, Terry, I thought maybe you'd read that. Are you up to that? Uh, oh, I know. right now. Knock this sucker out. Okay. Sure. <laughs>
0: I know you want to hear about the murder of a newspaper man, because we, for whatever reason, Texans love to hear about murders.
1: Oh, man. And if it's a newspaper man, yeah. Probably a fake news guy.
0: Let's find out. (laughs) William Cowper Brand was unusually happy this morning. It was April 1st, 1898 and he was busy planning a much-needed vacation with his wife of 21 years, Carrie. It had been only six weeks since the U.S. battleship Maine had been sabotaged in Havana Harbor, and the Waco newspaper that Bran owned and operated, the Iconoclast, had been working overtime trying to keep the reader, its readers abreast of all of the late breaking news. They're still trying to do that.
1: Oh, no kidding. Don't get me started.
0: In less than a month, although Bran would never live to see it, the United States would declare war on Spain and send a military force to Cuba in retaliation for the Maine's destruction. Bran pushed himself away from his roll-top desk and rose from his wooden swivel chair. He buttoned his jacket, straightened his bow tie, and took his hat from the hall tree... That stood nearby, signaling one of his employees to join him. He left the newspaper office and headed down the street to dine at the local saloon on Austin Avenue, one of Waco's main thoroughfares.
1: Mm, It's still there, by the way. Oh, yeah. Austin Avenue.
0: Good. After lunching and discussing the the next issue of the newspaper, Bran and his associate left the saloon and started back to work. As the pair walked down Austin Avenue, they heard a gunshot. Bran felt an intense, burning pain in his back and turned around to see a man with a pistol step back into a doorway about ten feet away. Bran feverishly dug into his coat pocket, retrieved his own revolver, and emptied it into the assailant. The stranger fired several more times, each bullet finding its mark. After Brand fired his last round, he dropped to the sidewalk, dying. His bewildered friend watched as the attacker fell to the ground as well, mortally wounded by four of Brand's bullets. Whoa. Shortly after Brand was carried home for medical treatment, police identified the assailant as Tom E. Davis. A little Investigative work showed that Davis was a political conservative, the opposite of Brand. I thought you said this was 18-something.
1: It is. Oh, yeah. It's hard to believe. I'm sorry. It's hard to believe they had issues like that back then. I know know it. But this has sex in it, uh, Terry. I just said that to keep people interested in uh, what happened.
0: And and that he had strong ties with the nearby (laughs) Baptist-run Baylor College. Authorities could only speculate, but they assumed that Davis' murderous act was somehow linked to an incident that had occurred three years earlier. In the pages of the Iconoclast, Bran had violently attacked Baylor for being so sanctimonious. In 1895, Bran had learned that a 14-year-old Baylor student from Brazil was about to have an illegitimate child fathered by the brother-in-law of Baylor's president.
1: Ooh. Hmm. That's got to hurt.
0: The uh, newspaper editor was only too happy to jump into the controversy and belittle Baylor's image, gleefully admitting that he took great pleasure in exposing such social ulcers and special sectarian scandals to his readership. A couple of years after the Baylor reproach, Bran was almost killed when several thugs kidnapped him, severely beat him, and forced him to sign a confession retracting his attack on Baylor. The editor editor had hardly recovered from those wounds when a disgruntled Waco resident horsewhipped him on a downtown street. The two attacks failed to show Bran to slow Bran who two weeks later wrote in his newspaper, My Baptist brethren desired to send me as a missionary to foreign lands, and their invitation was so urgent, their expressions of regard so fervent, that I am now wearing my head in a sling and am trying to write with my left hand. I'm too slight for a slugger. But I can make a shotgun sing. Come to Jesus. Hmm. If Bran had been a typical newspaper, the shabby treatment he seemed to attract might have been unusual. But most of his peers didn't consider Bran typical. He went a step beyond simply reporting the news. He specialized in name-calling and Verruption. Beru- Neither individuals nor institutions were spared Brand's poison pen, and when he joined a crusade for or against someone or something, it was usually with a vengeance. Once, when describing a New York socialite, he wrote, is Bradley Martin does not exactly look every inch a queen. Her horizontal having developed at the expense of her perpendicular, suggesting the rather robust physique of her father's beer barrels. Still, she is an attractive woman, having the ruddy complexion of an unlicked post stamp and the go as you please features of a Turkish carpet. Oh, that's oh, not good. My
1: that's a slam.
0: Goodness. Well, he goes on. Oh, yes. Brand took politicians and federal government to task as well. In an article dealing with the quality of America's national leaders, he wrote, We have fallen into the bad habit of making the U.S. Senate Senate, an old folks' refuge or asylum of senility. Mm. Sending to the lower house of Congress pedophaguing attorneys who cannot pick up a livelihood by practicing in chicken courts. Mm. Then accepting for president whatsoever chump is most satisfactory to the plutocrats. It is small wonder that with such a captain and crew, the ship of state is drifting to the devil. It is small wonder that her precious cargo is appropriated by pirates, that Capitol and the White House are permeated by Wall Street's subtle perfume. The day after Davis' attack on Brand, the newspaper man died at his home in Waco. Many of his 19,000 subscribers were shocked, but others were not surprised by his murder the man described as a master of invictive mm. by journalist H. L. Minkin, a pithy writer himself, had penned his last insult and censured his last victim. No more would he, as he himself once bragged, hurl the cowardly and unclean curs to the profoundest depth of hell. Oh, my. And we need to remember that this was
1: 1898. Yeah. This is what gets me about early writing. In the letters you can read from times back then, like in the Civil War, some of the soldiers that wrote letters, their uh, vocabulary was uh, exceptional. These words we don't normally use today— I would not today read a newspaper that was written like that. It, it takes too much brain power. It would take too much we, brain We've paper. symbolized uh, the English language, for better or worse. Uh, there are a couple of things in there. One, I would just like to mention, being a history teacher, the battleship Maine being blown up in Havana Harbor, uh, we instantly blamed it on the Spanish. We said it was a torpedo, which mm-hmm. was kind of like a mine. It was a... Uh, um, what do you call those things uh yeah, that they put underwater and it you run the into submarine? A, that is a mine, yeah, that's yeah a mine. anyway, uh those things, but what actually happened later, folks, they raised this dead gun battleship up and looked at it and saw that the you know where the explosion was and where it was coming from, and there was gunpowder and all and kegs and fumes everywhere, and you got soldiers walking around with uh, candles sort of believe that an American soldier went down and just the thing blew up because of that. But we wanted to blame the Spanish because we wanted the Philippines and several other holdings that, uh, Cuba, several other holdings that the, uh, the Spanish had. So son of a gun, why not blame them and just go to war with them? They were saying, no, we didn't do it. Please don't. They had no cause to do it. The battleship Maine. And, uh, this guy covered it with respect to criticizing a church figure or a college, Baylor University and the president. That's uh, scary to do. Uh-huh. But you know one thing I've noticed on both sides. I mean, I don't know if you people have been aware, but we we're having some very uh, uh, uncomfortable situations among both sides of the political spectrum. And while I don't care to get into this much, but I'll tell you this, there are lunatics on both edges of this. Uh, If you're from one particular party, if you're from the left, you'll say mostly it's the right. If you're from the right, you'll say, no, mostly these uh, people from the left are going ape crud. Um, Well, the thing is, uh, it has taken news to a new level. Terry, and I think you know this, where people don't believe anything anymore, which is very sad because you can still actually determine truth from things, uh, but now you can't take people's words for it, it appears.
0: Well, I like the way that you described that it's on the edges Mm -hmm. because uh, that's exactly where it is. Historically, most United States citizens who vote or want to vote are are pretty moderate. Yeah. But we're hearing from your edges quite a bit yeah. lately, um, and uh, and I think you are correct. I think you can find the truth in what you're hearing, and, and, and uh, you just have to be very careful right. as to what you listen to and what you read, what you look at on social media. You've got to be very careful, but there are still very, very legitimate uh, uh, sources yeah. out there. Newspaper men are still very, very good, but you're right. The language has changed quite a bit.
1: Uh, it has. And I, people would say, you know, English professors say it's not for the better. Uh, there is no question there are words used now just right and left. that I don't even know what they mean uh, with respect to slang. And I'm ta- not talking about curse words. I can understand many of those. But, uh, you know, where I, I don't know where that word came from or what, but it takes up in our uh, vocabulary and all. And it does kind of hurt the language, but that's where we're headed. Uh, you know, when speaking about politics and uh, uh, political activism and stuff, we're going to take a breakdown. When we come back, I'm going to read you a story uh, back from, I think it's 1898, might be 92, uh, about a situation, a racial situation that was just pathetic. And um, anyway, that'll be interesting. I'd like to say this about that. It is so difficult to just, I hate to read this book and to grab it and to do what Terry just did. And I told her, we'll take a break before you read that, but I forgot all about that. Uh, and, uh, you know, to just sit there and try to catch the words. And particularly when it's this type of reading vocabulary, it's tough. And I apologize for just throwing that on you. Uh, this story I've read, and I'll probably really mess it up, but uh, it is very interesting. And I think a part of our history that we need to, you know, look back on, particularly at this time. We'll be back in just a minute. Uh, Texas Storytellers. Terry, you're going to be here, and we're I'm going to gonna come we're going right to start. Back. back in a minute. Woodlands Online is committed to serving our local community. From news and events coverage to shows and blogs, everything we do is hyper local. Woodlands Online, by the Woodlands, for the Woodlands. Want to know where the best spots to dine and relax in the Woodlands are? Or what's happening in your favorite fandom? From taste buds to the kingdom of geekdom, Woodlands Online has you covered. Woodlands Online, the place for local takes. As much as we might try, nobody can be everywhere all the time. That's why at Woodlands Online, we're committed to producing quality video coverage of local news, events, sports, and everything else you don't want to miss. Woodlands Online, your window into the Woodlands. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Mark Hader. Terry Woods. Terry Woods. We're here, and as promised, I'm going to read an article. Not an article. It's a story. And let me tell you this about stories, the one that uh, Terry just read. Whenever an author says stuff like, oh, he moved away from his uh, desk or whatever, and he grabbed his hat from the hat rack, and he gingerly moved it. That's uh, an author adding stuff to... uh, Make it more, oh, interesting to read it. Like, oh, I'm there now. But in in, in real history books, you, I don't know if he grabbed his hat from the uh, no, whatever.
0: But that's what I look for when I'm looking for something to read. Exactly. I like, I like to know the setting, right. and I like to know why. You know, I want to know that he picked up his hat. hat he can describe the hat. I, I like the description in stories. Oh, it
1: is. Mm-hmm. Uh It's one of those things that it is not considered, obviously, uh, first-hand history, but it is something that moves the story along. And I can't write without crying stuff like that. I don't do nearly as well as so many other authors. But that being said, ladies and gentlemen, this is called The Court Martial of Henry Flipper. Um, And the incident takes place in 1881.
0: I I just got to stop you and say how timely that last story was. So I, I'm anxious to see if this is just as timely.
1: I think it will be. Uh, it's <laughs> you'll hear it the way you want to hear it, and uh, you know that's pretty much the way things go. Like we like what we like, and we have ideas. We have uh, a particular mm, thoughts that this is true. When it's my opinion and all, and we preach opinion so often, but this is a, a true story. On December eighth. 1881, a crowd of curious onlookers gathered in front of the chapel at Fort Davis, Texas. Have you ever been to Fort Davis? I have not. It's north of Alpine. It's uh, west of Fort Stockton, and it's halfway oh. between uh, Del Rio and El Paso. It is in an oh. area that was uh, uh, habitated, habit, habitated.
0: Inhabited?
1: That ah. Uh, you know, it's stuff like that that's going to get my <laughs> rear and booted off this show. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, this area, Indians, Native Americans, but they don't call them Native Americans, at least i, I got to tell you that James Crutchfield is called Native Americans, and uh, a few did until 1992. After um, two months of deliberations, a verdict was about to be uh, rendered in the court-martial of Lieutenant Henry Ocean Flipper, who had been charged with embezzlement after reporting that funds were missing from the post office commissary. However, in reality, Flipper, who was acting officer in charge of uh, the commissary, was on trial more for his skin color uh, than for dishonesty. The preponderance of evidence indicated that he was most likely framed. Colonel Benjamin Henry Grierson He's the foe in this, Uh, the white commander of the all-black 10th Cavalry and no doubt about Flipper's uh, had no doubt about Flipper's uh, uh, innocence. He wrote that the young officer, this is the good officer. I just said he's the foe. The foe's coming up, ladies and gentlemen. Okay,
0: so the good officer is who again?
1: Uh, (laughs) Cut! I don't know if we should start all over. Uh, I think you can do something with that. Colonel Benjamin Henry Grierson, the white commander of the all-black 10th Cavalry, had no doubt that Flipper's innocent. Uh, okay, Flipper's innocent. I got it now. Hang in there, young lady. He wrote that the young officer, quote, came under my immediate command during the campaign against Victoria's band of hostile Indians, and from personal observation, I can testify to his efficiency and gallantry in the field. He has repeatedly been selected for special and important duties and discharged them faithfully and in a highly satisfactory manner. Now that's a good report from it is your That's a good that's uh, a good recommendation. Officer. And in most when something good happens there's usually a but after it and that's coming up. Anxious spectators watched as flipper a 6 foot 2 inch former slave from Georgia and the first black man ever to graduate from the US Military Academy at West Point Oh, my goodness. Entered the building. His accuser, the former commandant of Fort Davis, Boo. Colonel William R. Pecosville, nicknamed Shafter, Shafter, hmm, soon followed. He came in the building. After the last of the testimony, Flipper's attorney, Major Merritt Barber, summed up the true purpose of the trial in his closing arguments. The question before you is whether it is possible for a colored man to secure and hold a position as an officer of the Army. He said Flipper and his lawyer would soon find out, as you will. The senior officer ordered Flipper and Barber to stand while he read the verdict of the court-martial panel. The 25-year-old lieutenant was found innocent of the embezzlement charge, but he was found guilty of conduct unbecoming an officer and so was dishonorably discharged from oh, the army. Wow. You know he's a uh, uh, out of the first uh, black graduate from West Point. He's made an officer and uh uh which is just rare it's well, all get out. I
0: can't wait to hear the rest
1: of this and one. And they boot him out for uh, you know you you just you're a bad officer and all conduct unbecoming an officer. That has got to hurt. I don't think you get over something like that. Let me go on. Flipper was devastated. Here was a man who had excelled in every military mission he had ever undertaken. Li- Liberia. Uh, Liberian authorities had been so impressed with his record at West Point that they tried to persuade him to come to their country to lead their entire army. Instead, wow. the l- young lieutenant joined Troop A, 10th U.S. Cavalry, and so became the only black officer of the all-black Buffalo Soldiers. That's what the 10th uh, Cavalry didn't know was. I did there
0: was a black officer.
1: Yeah, the buf- uh, Indians were scared. Native Americans did not like these uh, the uh, Buffalo Soldiers because oh. they were very uh, effective in uh, fighting. The four regiments of Buffalo Soldiers, the 9th and 10th Cavalry, along with the 24th and 25th Infantries, had been organized in 1866 to accommodate the vast number of recently freed slaves from the South who had entered military service during the last days of the Civil War. They were eventually sent west, and in the next few years, the outstanding regiments, all of them commanded by white officers, fought in many major battles with Indians. They were one of the most effective weapons in the Army's arsenal during the Indian Wars of 1870s and 1880s. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Spture intelligence Indians uh, called Indians because uh, when Columbus came over and he saw these people, he said he thought it was in India, so he called them Indians that's correct and that's where the name came on and now it's become uh, a slap in the face of Native Americans and I can understand that because ladies and gentlemen, if there's ever a Native American who's been here from forever, it would be those that we call Indians today um Colonel Grierson, he's the good guy, expressed the uh, prevailing attitude of career Army officers toward the Buffalo Soldiers when he once remarked, The officers and enlisted men have cheerfully endured many hardships and privations, and in the midst of great dangers, steadfastly maintained a most gallant and zealous devotion to duty, and they may well be proud of their record made. And rest assured that the hard work undergone in their accomplishments of such valuable service in their country cannot fail, sooner or later, to meet with due recognition and reward. 1881, it's going to be uh, recognized and rewarded. Um, well, we—I don't know how many people are familiar with the uh, uh, Buffalo Soldiers. Uh, Blackjack Pershing is was—he's dead a long time ago, but. Uh, he was in commander, uh, commander of U.S. forces in World War I, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you how he got the name Black Jack right here. In addition to their assignment in the West, Buffalo soldiers went to fight in the Spanish-American War where they helped other elements of the U.S. Army overrun Spanish defenses on the island of Cuba. They served in the Philippines, and in 1916, they rode into Mexico to, in pursuit of Pancho Villa, uh, led by one of their old officers, General John J. Black Jack Pershing. The name Black Jack stemmed from Pershing's former duty with the 10th Cavalry. He oh. used to be the officer for the uh, 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 Buffalo Soldiers, so they'd say, hey, that's Black Jack. Uh, I, I don't know if he fought, he considered the name, but it uh, uh, possibly wore it proudly. I, I do not know. Finally, during the Korean conflict, the Buffalo Soldiers were integrated into the rest of the Army. What became a flipper after his uh, court-martial? yeah. Well, he left Fort Davis, migrated to El Paso, and worked in a laundry for a while. Then he became a civil engineer in the southwest in Mexico. He became an expert on a Mexican law, uh, land law, and wrote a number of books on the subjects. In later years, he worked uh, in the Interior Department in Washington, D.C., helped develop the Alaskan Railroad System, and worked in Venezuela oil fields as an engineer. On nine occasions, he attempted to clear his name, but each time to no avail. He died in Atlanta, Georgia, in 1940, a broken and disheartened man. During the 1970s, others interested in Henry Flipper's story tried to get his verdict overturned. Finally, on December 13, 1976, his dishonorable discharge was uh, rescinded. and An honorable discharge was issued instead.
0: 1976.
1: 1976. December, he, that would have been... Have uh, any
0: idea if any of his relatives were still alive?
1: That is a good question. That was Gerald Ford's uh, uh, last year mm-hmm. as president. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, it's stories like that that are heartrending, rending And uh, I... I <laughs>
0: well, you just always want us to do better.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You always want us to do better. Um, I think that's why we share stories from long ago, present time. Sure, they're entertaining, right. but but hopefully they teach us something, too. Yeah,
1: I, I think back, and maybe many of you do, too, to uh, what if? What if I had been a, a black person uh, way back when, or even now? What am I saying? And how uncomfortable I would be, how frightened I would be. Uh, I mean, I got stopped, me and my friend, by police officers once, and they treated us Nicely, but they use this. Here's what some police officers, not all of them at all, the vast majority are really good. Oh, they're awesome. But they stop you, and the reason they stop you, because they, they're not supposed to, hey, stop this guy, he looks scary to me. Uh, you have to come up with a reason. And the reason they gave us is the reason I saw on the news <laughs> recently that they're still using this. Um, excuse me, do you know why we stopped you? Uh, no, sir. That's that's a good thing to say. Well, we got a report that there's uh, been a, a grocery store that was robbed and uh, the uh, the people we're looking for were driving a car just like this one. Oh, okay. That gets you off. I mean, whatever. And that's a, a ploy that some of the bad cops use. Uh, I would not like to be a police officer for nothing. I think some people are born to be... I don't like to, Terry, I don't know about you, but I don't enjoy telling people what to do uh, <laughs> about, Well, you know. now
0: that depends. Yes. <laughs> As a
1: teacher, <laughs> you're a mother. Uh, how does that work for you?
0: I, I think that really depends on the situation. Yes, yeah. it does. Yeah. So Sometimes we like to tell people what to do. Right. But I agree with you. Police officers have, have a special place in my heart, and I... Um, I wish them all the best every day.
1: Yeah. You know, the thing is, their job is to look for bad stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't say, okay, here's your job. Go out, uh, you know, down uh, whichever street and uh, uh, just welcome people and tell them, great." look to see what's going wrong. If somebody's speeding and whatever, take care of that. I uh, had a friend uh, who became a police officer in, in high school, who really liked him. He came out. Um, with an attitude of everybody's <laughs> trying to do something, trying to steal stuff from you, particularly people of color. And that's from constantly looking at stuff and having this, well, I think it's part of his background, but uh, that's just something that um, is sad, that something like that could uh, uh, take hold of our uh, culture. But heck, back in my days, this is a man talking to you who uh, is from Pasadena, Texas, and we had no people of color in Pasadena. We had uh, uh, many Latinos there, but, you know, I never went to school with anyone of color or anything and I, so I just thought, I don't know what's wrong, but boy, everything around me uh, went ape crud after a while.
0: Well, diversity is a special thing and if we look at the area we live in, uh, we are one of the most diverse areas in the United States. And, um, you know, it, it It's wonderful. It's wonderful to know cultures and so forth and so forth. And when you're reading that story, I I keep wondering, could that have happened today? I sure hope not for something Uh, so little.
1: Yes, I like the thing. The thing is, um, with respect to evidence and all, nowadays I like to think they would consider the evidence uh, more equally Mentioned from people of color and, and white people, but not all do.
0: Well, with my rose-colored glasses, Let's I really, put those suckers on. I really, really hope that is exactly what what everyone is doing. Yeah. Um. You got something else for us
1: today? Um. You know, I did have a, um another reading here, but I think what I'll do now is do some self promotion again.
0: Oh, again.
1: I know. It's All right, just terrible, Terry. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I, uh, we were talking about the 4th of July, and mm-hmm. you were giving me an excellent segue into that. Uh, when you were mentioning it, I was thinking about the 4th of July that should have been the greatest, the mm-hmm. biggest in uh, our lifetime was the Bicentennial, 4th of July, 7th, uh, 1976. Bicentennial. That's the thing I may have mentioned before that the British call the Bicentenary. Uh, because they're crazy people, no they're nice, they just have a different vocabulary uh pronunciation thing anyway and so uh I do not remember m- what we did the 4th of july nineteen seventy six do you yes thank you what what did you all do what was happening?
0: I took my first plane trip whoa in uh, in nineteen seventy six i nighttime? was uh, it was uh it was in daytime oh. um i was uh, married. I had my older son. My older son was about five or six years old. Oh. He stayed with my parents. So,
1: this was 15 years ago. Uh, yeah,
0: whatever. Um, he stayed with my parents, and um, we went to San Francisco and we saw the fireworks from oh, San Francisco Bay. Sheesh. That's what I did in uh, 1976. So, yes, I remember very, very well because, uh, like I said, it was my first plane trip. I was an adult, but it was still my first plane but, trip.
1: Did they have the uh, pyramid building then, which has got a name of which I do not know. Oh, I, don't, I don't remember. That is I so spectacular. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, might have been before yeah. been that time,
1: that time.
0: Fisherman's Wharf, absolutely. Oh. Oh, my gosh, that seafood and and so forth, and everything was so colorful. Everything was red, white, and blue, but you know, I I just loved that, and uh, yeah, so
1: that's what I remember. Brief. I was, I don't remember anything. I know that at the time, I was living in Huntsville. I was going to college. Kay was in prison, working for the prison. I'm sorry, I keep throwing that in. She worked for the prison at the walls <laughs> unit, and um And I guess we were off, I think, uh, 4th of July was on a Sunday in 1976, if I'm not mistaken, and it could be. And I'm not saying that because, whoa, I'm a savant or whatever, uh, an idiot savant. Uh, It's because I I looked up to see what it was, and it seemed like it was Sunday or Saturday, but I cannot remember. This last one was a Saturday, I think. Anyway, I uh, was thinking back then that I can't remember and how sad that is. So what I did many years ago is I started writing a book about an event that uh, I made up that took place in uh, 1976. Now, I wrote this book when I was about... uh, Actually, it was 1986 when I started writing it. I finished it. And then, you know, I thought, whoa, this thing will get published like this. Quick, you know? And I I did everything I could. I got so many, uh, what you call your uh, uh, bad reviews? Not bad reviews. They wouldn't read it. They just said, hey, we don't... And the idea was, if you want to get published, you must uh, get an agent. And before you can get an agent, you need to be published. That makes it very difficult, Terry. Mm-hmm. But then Amazon came out, and I published this book myself finally. After leaving it on the shelf and editing it five times, and this book is what I'm leading up to right now, uh, Terry. It's called The Summer of '76, and this is oh, it. well, it's
0: just a little thing. It's a at little that. thing.
1: Well, it's good grief. Uh, the 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 <laughs> it's double space whatever but it is so nice in storytelling or whatever to invent a location and people give them their personalities and all and invent a situation uh several situations that take place and it's i don't know it's like whoa you don't know where it's going so what's happening now i was thinking of uh uh, Margaret Mitchell who wrote Gone with the Wind, she was writing it chapter by chapter they ask her, you know, what's happening, do you know what's happening, uh, you know, next? I have no idea. And it's one of those things, and I know you've written plays and all, it's one of those things where you start and things just come to mind and you pull cool from everything you've known or seen and you add it and you just create different things. Well,
0: are we going to read part of this at
1: some point? I wasn't planning on it. Uh, we sure can, but see, I am promoting myself beyond all realms of <laughs> possibility. I did want to read the, uh, uh, what you call your uh, synopsis. You have to write one of those, and they're no fun. And it's on the very back of this. Ah. And... Um, ah, there he is. I don't know if you want to read it off the top of your head, or... Uh, I'll
0: let you read it.
1: Well, I wrote it, but uh, and uh you know what's terrible... A lot of things are terrible, you know, having to drink a, a vat of bad stuff is terrible. Uh, I'm saying that because we've got children in the room and I don't want to name anything that uh, you shouldn't drink because that'll, that's exactly where I would have gone to as a, ch- as a child. But it's terrible when you do get something published and you start <laughs> reading and you say, I cried, <laughs> I let that word or whatever. But here is the um, synopsis and I, if I made a mistake, I think it's only one later on. I'll share it with you in just a minute. Here's the story in a nutshell. Okay. When you get to the end of your rope, Franklin Roosevelt suggested we tie a knot in it and hang on. While high school history teacher Benjamin Harris highly respected our 32nd president, he was way past caring enough to hang on to anything, whether it had a knot or not. No, he was either going to nonchalantly step in front of a slow-moving dump truck or borrow an adventure from the Australian Aborigines and have himself a walkabout in Texas. The young man was desperate. Harris needed to hike along. Uh, Harris decided to hike along uh, some railroad tracks north uh, through the East Texas piney woods. Destination, wherever. Who could have guessed that wherever was anywhere near the sleepy logging community of Castle, Texas? Had he done any planning at all, he likely would have missed the town entirely, but he didn't, and as a result, the townsfolk would have had little memory of what happened in Castle during the United States uh, Bicentennial uh, celebration. If he hadn't been there, they wouldn't know nothing about it, like I am now. Over the years, spectacular occurrences have been known to get magnified in the retelling. The story you're about to read is a true account of the deeds done in the events witnessed during the summer of 76 in a town called Castle. I recommend you grab a knotted rope and hang on. Um,
0: that's awesome.
1: That's just to get people to. Well, that, well yeah, that
0: that makes me want to read it at right. least a little bit right. of it.
1: Yeah, exactly. The rest
0: of it you can read to me. Well, that's kind of yeah. long.
1: Well, it, it looks, but uh, I, I got it to the point where I think you can read it. See the the uh, yeah. font is larger.
0: Yeah, it's and, uh, it looks nice. And, it's, yeah,
1: but very anyway, good. I'm uh, very proud that I finished this in Amazon. Dot com Mark Hader, the uh, summer of 76 and, um, anyway thank you Terry for putting up with that uh, bit of uh,
0: well Mark, I, I think that next week we, we should continue with um, it happened in Texas. There's uh, only uh, really? a billion
1: more stories so well, yes, there you go could.
0: I think we <laughs> should continue with that. I really like this book Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm kind of excited to hear some more. I see something on here that, uh, about that with Bonnie and Clyde. Yes. I've driven through, um, uh, producer Justin was quite young. What I've driven through were the banks, you know, the banks that they robbed in Texas. Oh. You, you, can, you can kind oh. of make a trail. Yeah. And uh, kind of
1: snake through a few Cheers. of them. And, you know, I think there are about four, Bonnie and Clyde's car, their car that got shut up, I think mm-hmm. they, there's four of them now in different oh. communities, <laughs> oh, Louisiana okay. has one, I think there's one or two in Texas, and it, they're each the official car that uh, Bob and Clyde were killed in.
0: And also, um, I don't know if you realize this, Mark Hader, but we're getting a little popular.
1: No, I had not realized I that. I bet you're all.
0: really surprised at that.
1: I am uh, unbelievably surprised. There's a couple
0: stories I could tell you about that, but I'm going to tell you one, Okay, and then we can get out of here. Okay. Um,
1: they're waiting for you. Tell the story.
0: I uh, got an email this morning when I'm trying to do, I was trying to scan some things in, in my uh, printer. And um, it's an email from a young man who lives in Shenandoah. Mm. He is an illustrator. Oh, wow. I know. And his wife is the storyteller.
1: He used to illustrate
0: it's very good, by the way, if you, yeah. if you need an illustrator. He did the illustrations for his wife's book. They are on their third book. Now, he contacted me because, see, I mentioned this to a friend Mm -hmm. of a friend, and they said, oh, write to her and see. They want to come on the show. Oh, neat. Yeah, they want to show us the pictures of their little animal animal book. Oh. Um, At least the first one. And they're, like I said, they're on to the third one.
1: What do y'all think? I think I'm getting a lot of nods out there. I think this should be a happening a thing. Good, yeah, a good thing? I think that's a thing. I'll card.
0: tell you more about them at some other time and next week it happened in Texas.
1: I think uh, I think it's about time for lunch for me. I don't know about Well, other, I'm Terry
0: Woods. Ladies
1: and gentlemen, I'm Mark Hayter. Thank you so much for being here with Texas Storytellers, and we'll catch you next time. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.